Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast. This is the May 31st, 2022 edition, part of the Sports Insanity Network. My name is Nathan Moser, joined as always by Mike Rifkin. Mike, I, I, I <laughs> we're going to get into all of this, but I, I got, you know, of course, I got to ask you this question as I always do. How are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm, I'm over the moon. I'm great. Moser, sure you how are. are you? I'm I'm doing probably not as well as you. I'm doing very well though, but um, but uh, obviously for for those who are listening who may not be aware, um, the New York Rangers have uh, recently coming off of a win last night over the Carolina Hurricanes by a final score of six to two in what was Game Seven of that series. The Rangers are going to the Eastern Conference Final and they're taking on the Tampa Bay lightning. So we'll, but we'll, we'll get into the previews in a little bit. Um, but I guess we'll first thing is we'll start off. We got to do the reviews where the Eastern, the Western conference final, excuse me, starts tonight uh, as we're recording this. Uh, I will make sure that this episode gets up right away after we're done recording, but uh, Western conference final starts tonight as we're recording, as we're recording this um, between the Edmonton Oilers and the Colorado avalanche. But uh, we will start with, uh, because we're talking Rangers, we will start with your series, Mike. So Hurricanes-Rangers, it was best of seven. The Rangers ended up winning in game seven. It's the second game seven in a row for you guys because you guys love to go right down to the wire, right to the very end before you win your series. Um, But they win the series four games to three. Um Game one saw the Hurricanes win um, in overtime by a score of 2-1. to one. Hurricanes would win 2-0 in game two. This was a series, basically, if we're describing this series, the home team won every game until the last game. Yeah, that, so, that's essentially uh, what it was. Hurricanes were home the first two games. They won both games, two to one in overtime, and then two nothing. Rangers go home, and they would. And in between games three and four, you guys only allowed a total of two goals, one per each game. Rangers win game three, three to one, and then Rangers win game four, four to one. Go back to Raleigh. Hurricanes win three to one in game five. Game six, it's in MSG. Rangers win five to two, and the deciding game. On Monday, May 30th, Rangers finally get that road victory, 6-2. to two. Mike, you're the Rangers fan of the podcast. I got I to gotta throw this to you, man. Thoughts? I mean, obviously, uh, we, we texted back and forth throughout this series, and there were times where you texted me, like, I would text you right after a goal, and you said that you literally screamed. Uh, yes, multiple times. There so, uh, yeah, thought, just what are your thoughts on, uh, on how the series went? Um, listen, I I will say this. I I did not think the Rangers would win this series. I'll be honest with with people on that. But after the first two games, and really in particular game one, the Rangers could play with Carolina. So they had to make sure they got one at home. They get both at home in three and four. Game five was kind of a letdown. Game six, the lights were on bright. They shined. And game seven, they were ready to play. And the most important thing, 
we say this in the biggest games, your biggest players have to come up big. And that's what happened last night. The guy who should be the captain on the team, Chris Kreider, has two goals. Adam Fox has a goal. I think Mika Zibanejad wound up with three assists in the game. Oh, and by the way, Igor Shosturkin was sensational. He's been he Shosturkin specifically. I mean, like I mean, a bunch of players have stuck out from watching the different games from from. I mean, the any Ranger games this entire playoffs, but Shosturkin especially has been really clutch for you guys. I mean, just some of the saves that he were making were there were a couple times either last night or just in the series with Carolina in general where I thought, oh, they the Hurricanes got him beat, and he just, I mean, he is quick. I mean, yeah, as a goalie, you got to be quick, but I mean, he he robbed a few of those Hurricanes of goals in this series. I think the best thing to happen to him was getting pulled in games three and four in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Because since then, he has been on a tear. You know, so... Sometimes those those negative moments can create a a better growing outcome. Yeah. And it seems like that's been the case with him in these playoffs. And this is the ultimate compliment I could pay him. Last night in Game 7, that was the most Henrik Lundqvist-like performance... I'm glad I'm not the only person who thought that. No, because going through my mind throughout the game was, this is a Henrik-esque performance. The only difference is the Rangers wouldn't score for Henrik. It'd only be 2 nothing instead of 3 nothing or 4 to one So he got the goal support, but that was a Henrik-like performance. That was, that was classic. Did... I know, like, Shusterkin was in Russia for a little bit. because he Did he play in the KHL, or? He did play in the KHL. So did he never was, by the time he came over t- to the Rangers to really be in their system, was Hank already gone? Like, did they never share the ice together? No, because Shusterkin came over in the the year of the bubble. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So and Henrik never... was, was there for a little bit, but he was on, you know, eventually on his way out. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because I didn't really think that I didn't really think that he really had ever really shared the ice together, because it's like you think that because it's like you think that like Lundqvist kind of gave like some of his secrets away a little bit or something that Shesterkin's like putting on a Lundqvist like performance like that because like I said I thought the same thing last night, and I mean he, there you go you have you potentially have another Lundqvist. And he's younger, so you have him for a lot longer now. And he's locked up. They locked him up this past offseason. So he's not going anywhere, um, you know. And I mean, I mean, like, I mean, uh, again, I will, I will always say this. Probably one of my favorite players on the Rangers is Adam Fox. And I mean, it's no coincidence that he's second in scoring on the entire team through 14 games. Five goals, 13 assists for 18 points. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's over a point per game as a defenseman. He is such a crucial part of not just the defense, but the offense as well. I mean, just his speed, his, how he carries the puck. I mean, it's just, it's fun to watch. And he, he's, like I said, I mean, he's like the perfect defenseman. And it's, it's no surprise, obviously, he won the Norris last year. Um, 
he's not up for it this year, is he? Or no, because yeah, Edmund Makar and Yossi. Yeah, I mean, I think Makar probably wins it this Makar year. Will, Makar should win it. This won't be the last time we see Fox win a Norris, I don't think. No, he'll win another one. Um, so, but then, I mean, Kreider, obviously. I mean, that's one of the things that, as we said, I mean, Kreider, who, as we said, you know, should be like the captain for the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, had a great year in the regular season, 52 goals, and he's carried that into the playoffs now, too. He already has eight goals. Um, 11 points in 14 games. And, you know, I just think, I think what's nice about the team too is, is the fact that it's, while you have your guys who are doing the main scoring, as you said, the biggest guys on the team, like mm-hmm. a Kreider and a Zabanajad, everybody's finding some ways to contribute. Like Strom yeah. had a, had a crucial goal yesterday to make it three, nothing. That's only his second goal of, the postseason, but still it was a crucial time that he got it. Yeah. You know, and you know, Cheadle got a goal. Cheadle got a goal yesterday, too, right? Cheadle had a goal. That's that's three in his last two games. The the, the I know um Mott's only had two goals. He's only played in nine games, but Mott had a crucial goal too. Yeah, he scored the first one in game six. Yeah. Oh. After Shesterkin made it a, a big save, he made a big save, and then all of a sudden Ranta lets a like, Ranta lets in a softie. Yeah, he, he squeaked by, and that kind of threw him off the rest of that game. You know, so I mean, there's different guys that you look at it. Um, another guy in um, that I that I like that you, that the Rangers got from Winnipeg is Andrew Cop. In 14 games, you have so far. Cop has six goals and six assists for 12 points. You know that's a move that when Cop first got there, I mean it's a move that probably you know there were fans that were like, oh well, you know they didn't really see the significance of the move when Cop got there. Um, you know, I mean, Mike, I guess I'll ask you when when Cop got. When you guys acquired Cop, did you think that this was going to be as big of a move as it was? First and foremost, I've always been a big proponent of New York City being ha- having more cops. Yes, I've I've always been a proponent for that. Um, no, what I really thought Andrew Cop was gonna be was Philip Heedle insurance. Like if Heedle struggled at any point. Maybe they move Heedle to wing instead of center. Cop becomes your third line center. He'll help the PK and that second power play unit. Because basically, like with Cop, like I don't. When you guys traded for him, I wasn't thinking like, oh man, like they're kicking it into another game. I mean, then that's no offense to Cop, but it's just that's not the type. I mean, it wasn't like a splash of a move, but it fit what you guys were. I mean, it ultimately fit what you guys were building and it's paid dividends as i as i said six goals six assists 12 points in 14 games and that doesn't even count everything else he's done like you know he's important on the pk he's helping on the he that that fox goal he starts that play last night right he's the guy who carries the puck in drops it to lafreniere who drops it to fox who eventually scores um but he's been great and 
You know, it's funny. We were talking before, and I told you the Drury quote from earlier today where Chris Drury was talking to the media. And he goes, yeah, I went down to see the boys last night in the room and to congratulate them. And I went, when I got to Copper, being Andrew Cop, he said, sorry about your first. And Chris Drury kind of laughed and said, for that reason, I'll take it. Yeah. But, yeah. And then, of course, you got other guys like the bread man and everything like that, uh, where, you know, every single time, I mean, Panarin knows how to make magic work, too. I mean, he, you know, I, I felt I, I don't know if there's that. I think there is an injury with him. I, there's yeah. something there. He's not shooting as much as I would like, but he's playing with a lot more confidence um, after he scored that goal in, in game six um, against Carolina. But he he. You know the threat he is. Oh, yeah, of course. But Cop has been great on that line with them, with him and Strom. Um, listen, if we're going to talk about guys who've made contributions, and, and everyone we've mentioned deserves some, I've got to praise Ryan Lindgren. I have to praise Ryan Lindgren because it's not the offense. It's the... The best ability is availability. And Ryan Lindgren every night is blocking shots, taking hits. He's clearly not 100%, but he's out there every night busting it. Right. And he and he is the reason why Adam Fox is able to do Adam Fox things. He's the reason why Fox could jump into the play. He's the reason why Fox could take some chances offensively. And Ryan Lindgren's just a a tough guy. He's. He, I, I've made this proponent th- this comparison on Twitter. I've probably done it on the podcast. Ryan Lindgren is the new version of Dan, or, or is this Rangers version of Dan Girardi? That's yeah, who you, he is. you weren't even the first one. I think I don't know if it was Ryan Callahan on Twitter, but someone said that on Twitter yesterday. I well, said this is before but, yesterday. I've been saying it for a while. Right, right. But but I, I mean, I just wanted to prove that you're not the only person even thinking that. No, I know. I'm glad it's catching on. Um, yeah. Barkley Goodrow comes back into the lineup in game six. I think that helped this team a lot. You know, and look, this team is is where it is. And you couldn't be happy. If you're a Ranger fan today, you couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, because as you, as you mentioned earlier, you didn't even think that they were going to get this far. I mean, it's it's the classic example of they've accomplished everything that you wanted them to do this season, and then everything afterwards is like gravy. You know, it's just extra, like it's you know, and it, and it raises the bar for next year. But you know, it's it's they've accomplished everything that they needed to. Every, things are moving in the right direction, and this is the first this is the first season under Gerard Gallant. You know, I, I mentioned to Dan yesterday. Um, shout out, Dan. Shout out, Dan. Uh, shout out, Dan Ryans. Um, you know, I mentioned to him because we, you know, it, it's like you guys do so well with the first year of head coaches because when they showed they showed Gallant after that and, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's his first year. I'm thinking, it's right, it is his first year. And then I'm thinking – they did the same thing with Elaine Vigneault a few years ago, like where it was Vigneault. And I'm not, you know, I mean, obviously this will, this tenure for head coach will be different, but 
you know, it's it's just it was interesting that that it's like you guys do always do well when there's like a new veteran voice in the locker room for coach, whether it was AV the first time that he was there um, in 20 in 2014, um, you know, or now in this case, eight years later, eight years later. Yeah, eight years later with um, time flies eight years later with Gerard Gallant. <laughs> Yeah, but the makeup of the team is different. That team with AV was ready to win. This oh yeah, team, it's different. Yeah, th- this team really we didn't know what to expect. But and they, it, and I've probably said this on the podcast a ton of times before, either during the Eichel years with the Sabers or or just elsewhere talking about other teams in general. It applies really with any sport is when you, when you're able to have a younger team go to the postseason early i mean and to rack up that experience because i don't know if it was ray ferraro or someone else on one of the broadcasts talking about the idea and and i've said this a bunch of times in general that you know veteran players can always tell the younger guys well this is what pl- playoffs is like you know you can you can't convey how different playoffs is enough through words it's got to come from hands on experience when you lace up the skates and you're out there and it, because it is a different animal and ferraro basically echoed that on the broadcast uh the other day and it's so true, and the Rangers are getting that valuable experience now. Fox is getting that experience. Lafreniere is getting that experience. She's Sturkin's a big part of why they're in that whole thing to begin with, and he's getting that valuable experience. You know, and you have all these other guys like the veterans, like Zabanajad was around for that 2014. Not for. Uh, no, he was there for AV's last run, which was 17. Okay. Okay, so it was, okay, so Zibanejad was not part of that, but... Um, Kreider. Kreider was Kreider part. was part, so Kreider was there. Kreider was the um, only guy, but uh, you, you look at other guys who who they brought in this offseason. Uh, well... Barkley like, Goodrow. Yeah. You, you know, two, two-time defending cup champion. Ryan Reeves has playoff experience. Panarin has playoff experience. Panarin, Truba, Andrew Kopp. Yep. So, so that the those the that veteran experience plays a role to an extent, but these guys like Lafreniere and Shesterkin and Fox, they need to experience that for themselves, and they are, and they're adjusting well. They're adjusting well to the difference because everything gets amplified. And they've handled things well for what they've needed to do so far. And as you said, they've exceeded expectations. I mean, 100%. So, um, quickly looking at the Carolina Hurricanes side of this, mm-hmm. um, as they wrap up their playoffs for this year, um, the leader. Uh, the, the leader in points um, overall in through 14 games that the team played, Tuvo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo are tied with 11 points each, both four goals and seven assists, followed by Vincent Trocek and Tony D'Angelo with 10 points each. Um, Seth Jarvis, 
three goals, five assists for eight points in 14 games. Um, Slavin had eight points in 14 games, two goals, six assists. And then Max Domi, including last night, um, three goals, three assists for six points in 14 games. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on on the Hurricanes aspect of things? I know we had mentioned a little bit, because we had talked a little Sabres talk before we recorded, and you said that they almost could have used Jeff Skinner for this series. Do you, so you, you agree that, because goal scoring you think was one of the biggest They need another guy. To me, they need another guy. Um, As much as I love their roster, and I do, I I think Sebastian Ajo's a star. I think Svechnikov is a star. I still think they're missing one, one other guy who could pull the trigger because Listen, this the downfall for them for me was one thing, their power play. Yeah. And, and it just didn't click. They, you know, that that didn't happen. And Spencer if you needed Cobb, that, go sorry, ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. If, just uh, one point on the power play. If you needed that power play to click at all, it was last night and you didn't get it. it right. You guys did gain advantages from game. being on the power play. That's the difference in the game. So I, I think they need one more trigger guy. I okay. felt there were times last night where, or even throughout the series, where Svechnikov or even Aho or even Marty Natchez, they had times where they could have shot the puck and they're looking for a pass. And I'm just going, no, you, even Ray Ferraro goes, no, you got to shoot the puck. Yeah, they were. They seemed like they were. They were. They were a little tentative at times, and I don't know if that was. Igor in their heads or what, but they need they need a guy who's not afraid to shoot the puck. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what their offseason brings um, as we get closer to that. But um, definitely, I mean, definitely an interesting series for sure. Um, and I mean, Carolina, Carolina is another one of those teams where everyone feels like they're getting ready for them to make that run to another cup. And it just, they're right just, there. They're, they're right there. I mean, right they're, there. they're so close and we'll have to see, ju- I mean, I mean, we can spend the entire rest of the podcast talking about how good of a coach Rod Brendamore is. Yeah. I mean, he he has been, and I I mean I, we talk about time flying. I mean he's been he's he's been there already so long, and I feel like he hasn't even been there that long, and he just has. He's been head coach there forever at this point. And you can make but, the case he's already a top. He's for sure a top ten coach in the league right now. Oh, definitely Maybe top 10. five. I I think you can have that conversation about him being a top five coach in the game, um, but. So, well, but so Carolina's series uh, run is officially over. Rangers move on to the Eastern Conference final. Let us talk about the other series that uh, took place. It was the Battle of Florida that was not, not as really a battle. It was not as much of a battle as it was last year when these two teams met. Um, to cut right to the chase, uh, the Lightning won the series against the Florida Panthers for nothing. Um, game one, the Lightning won four to one. Game two, the Lightning beat the Panthers two to one. Game three, Lightning won five one. 
And game four was a shutout for Vasilevsky, which is something that he always tends to do in those uh, closing games. Um, the Lightning win 2 nothing against the Panthers. So you talk about, and I guess this is a way of us talking about your next opponent here. One thing that that I mean, obviously Vasilevsky is going to be one tough opponent to go up against. He is the best goalie in hockey, period. Mm-hmm. But this is a Florida team that someone I, I don't remember who it was, but someone said that Florida was good, but they didn't think that they were built for, to take on a team like Tampa. Would you agree with that? They have yeah. a lot of great talent, but I guess I'm trying to see where that person was coming from. I don't remember who it was. So. so- Here's the thing, and you you can do the thing for me on Tampa is everyone knows their role, but at at the biggest moments, everyone steps up. Like game game two was a two to one win. Who, yeah. who scored the game winning goal with three point eight seconds left? Ross Colton. Ross Colton scored the game winning goal. Corey Perry steps up in a big role. Everyone on this team contributes. Right. And and as good of a team as Florida had, and look, I'll be the first one to say it, it's not even on Sergei Bobrovsky. Because he was also really good in the series. Vasilevsky was the difference maker. Right. Florida just needed more from... Really, they're top guys. I need more out of Alexander Barkov. I need more out of Jonathan Huberto. I needed more out of Claude Giroux. If I spent a first-round pick on Claude Giroux, I need a little bit more out of Claude Giroux. The – no, go ahead. And I just – when push comes to shove, Tampa has they – fi- they find ways. They don't even have to play perfect. They find ways to win because they're that good. Yeah. And everyone knows what their their role is. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that Colton hasn't even... Colton's so... I mean, he's still relative... Not that he's new to the league, but Colton... I mean, to, to show how new Colton is really in the NHL, he wasn't on that 2020 team. He only has one cup ring that was in his and he scored first the, season. He scored the cup clincher last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that goes back to the idea that they run their AHL team the same way that their NHL team is run. It's the same system. So you get those, you know, you you rust or whatever you want to call it. You, you, adapt, you get used to the system that's there in the AHL, and you've mastered it so that when you can get called up to the big club, you already know what you got to do. So I think that that's, that's huge that they run the system like that. I don't know if every other AHL team has that same kind of philosophy. If they don't, they certainly need to start that now because you're seeing the immediate results with a guy like Ross Colton. And I give so much credit to John Cooper. Of course. And I've, I've always felt this way, and I even think I wrote a piece about it last year when they won the Cup. John Cooper gets the Steve Kerr treatment, if you think of the NBA. He definitely does. Because you have all these superstars on your team, and the team's supposed to win, this and that, you know, so on and so forth. 
But no, everyone on this team contributes. Everyone knows what they, their role is. And they're good players. Alex Kalorn's a very good player. Andre Palat, underrated, really good player. Anthony Sorelli's one of my favorite players on this team. Right. They, they do things the right way. They play the game smart. That's what I, they do. I, I, I think the the second that I knew that the series was over with was when they lost game two because you forked over both games at home. Mm-hmm. You have to, that means you have, I mean, you have to win both games in Tampa to tie the series. And the fact that you couldn't even, you only mustered two goals at home the entire time. It just, it, it didn't, I just, it wasn't going to happen. And I knew after game two ended that, that Tampa's just, I'm like, Tampa might, might sweep them. And this is the team that won the president's trophy, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, it was just, it was the best regular season team, but obviously playoffs is a whole different thing. And that doesn't mean anything. I mean, there's teams that have won the president's trophy that have also won the cup, but it's not a common thing. You know, I mean, so I've heard the saying before about the President's Trophy that when you win that, you put a target on your back for the postseason. And I think that's kind of accurate. I mean, you were the highest point producing team win wise in the league. So to an extent that happens. But I, I just think that I think with Tampa, they've their dominance has become a routine <laughs> and Yes. The the other part for me is, remember when Tampa got swept by Columbus a couple of years ago? Yes. And they were this offensive juggernaut, but Columbus just said, no, we're just going to defend you, and that's how we're going to beat you. Florida needs to learn the defensive aspects. As good of an offensive team as you are, there's a difference between coming back from – I think Mike Rupp said this on the NHL Network. There's a difference with coming back from 4-1 to one in a game in February against a team like the Devils and being down 4-1 to one in the playoffs to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yeah. So – It's completely different. Yeah, so they've got to figure that that out quickly. They've got to figure out what – how, they have to figure out if Andrew Burnett's even going to be their coach. Who knows on that situation? I mean, he's up for the Jack Adams award. He, so he's going to win the Jack Adams just based on the circumstance. I, I would – it would be the weird – I mean, look, never say never because we have Barry Trotz who left after he won the cup. So – and and Flurry last year winning the Vesna and then not coming back to Vegas. Yeah. So I mean I shouldn't say that that's that they're not going to go for somebody else because Brunette could win the whole thing and they still pick somebody else to be their coach. And they got a lot of candidates out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean including Barry Trotz who, um, according to Friedman, uh, just a quick update on this before we we continue on. According to Friedman, uh, I think it was was it yesterday or the other day that uh, that that um, Yeiserman met with Trotz or was planning to meet with Trotz. Yeah. You know, and I mean, as we texted back and forth about that, that is the candidate. That or that is the, one of the jobs that 
he probably takes. I, I definitely think that he fits that job in Detroit perfectly. A Yeiserman Trotz duo in Detroit. Oh, Detroit's back. That yeah, that's that duo screams potential dynasty in the making going forward. So I mean, heck, we're you're dealing with a Yeiserman dynasty in the Eastern Conference final. I mean, he, he's not there anymore to get the rings, but he it's his blueprint that he's now going to do on the Red Wings. So, but. Um, yeah, but that was when I knew that was when I knew that Florida didn't the Panthers did, weren't going to win the series is the fact that they they lost both games at home and it's just like you're not you're not going to go to Tampa and you're you'll you could win one you're not winning two there's yeah. no way and they didn't even win one so and I, I mean and again I mean just. Vasilevsky and what he is able to do, and I can I can pull up his uh, his stats, um, but I mean three goals that entire series, either per game, either one goal was allowed, or in the in case of the last game, nothing at all. That is the best goalie in hockey, and he should win the Vesna this year. He hasn't won it in the last couple of years. He needs to win it this year. So, but we will see what happens. Um, I guess just some stats here uh, on both ends because we really didn't get those in there. So with for the Florida Panthers side, um, Herder Verhaeg finishes the playoffs, uh, leading the team 12 points in 10 games, six goals, six assists. Claude Giroux is second on the team in points with three goals, five assists for eight points in 10 games. Barkov, as you mentioned, I mean, as a guy you needed more out of, he only had two goals in the entire playoffs in 10 games. Had five assists for seven points, but again, you need more. Jonathan Huberdeau, who had over 100 points in the regular season, in 10 games, one goal, four assists, five points. Need more out of Huberdeau. Would you Would you agree? <laughs> you need more out of your – absolutely. You need more out of your top guys. Yeah. Well, as you said when talking about the Rangers, the t- in the crucial moments the top guys showed up, that didn't happen for Florida in this series. So – but now going over to the Tampa Bay Lightning side, uh, just to get some stats in before we move over to the Western uh, series. Um. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see this. I just went on the Lightning website, and their their motto is uh, for the postseason is "Be the Thunder," but the B is a three. That's very creative. Good for them. Um, yeah, but anyway, okay. In, in eleven games played for the Lightning, Kucherov leads. Uh, with 15 points, four goals, 11 assists. So he he is an assist per game, 11 assists in 11 games, total of 15 points. Victor Hedman is next, 10 points in 11 games, two goals, eight assists. Ross Colton, who we talked about, 11 games, he has five goals, three assists for eight points. And then guys like Stamkos, four goals, four assists, eight points in 11 games. Plot, same thing, four goals, four assists for eight points in 11 games. Uh, Corey Perry, because his name was brought up, uh, five goals, one assist for six points in 11 games. And obviously getting down to the goaltending, 
Vasilevsky right now as the playoffs stand for the Lightning. Eight wins, three losses, um, and he has a goals against average of 2.22 and a save percentage of 9.32 with one shutout. And think of this. Most of those numbers have gotten better since game six against Toronto. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, they just swept Florida without Braden Point. They're they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. They are. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting for sure. I'm looking forward to Rangers Lightning. I know you're you're looking forward to it more, but you're also more nervous than I am. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Um. You're 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 very emotional. You're you're giddy. You're nervous. It's yeah. it's it's all the feelings of a team that is in the Eastern Conference Final, um, or a conference final game in general. But I guess Mike, any final thoughts on any of the Eastern Conference series before we move over to the West? I'm intrigued by Florida this offseason. I'm intrigued on on what Florida and Carolina what they both do. For sure. And obviously, if any moves happen with those two teams or any of the 32 teams in general, we will have it for you here at the Hockey Writers. Again, part of the Sports Insanity Network. Um, We'll have our we'll have draft coverage. We'll have free agency coverage when that happens. I looked up when those were. Those are beginning beginning to mid of July. Uh, Draft, I believe, is the 7th and the 8th. And then I know for sure free agency starts July 13th. So that's. Hockey does not end the second the cup is hoisted, as uh, as we all know. So, But we have many bridges to cross before we get to any of that. Heading now to the Western Conference, and we will talk about the Colorado Avalanche versus the St. Louis Blues, a series that was very fun. And uh, just I, – I just – the this was one of the most they're all fun to watch but this was one that i really liked and just enjoyed for whatever reason uh so avalanche win the series four to two avalanche win game one three to two against the blues in overtime blues win game two four to one there's that crucial away game that they win right off the bat that Mm -hmm. we talk about is important in the playoffs Game three, Avalanche get their their uh, road win. They get two road wins. Avalanche win in game three, five to two, and then in game four, six to three. Blues win a nail biter in overtime in game five to keep themselves alive against the Avalanche, five to four, and then the Avalanche another nail biter, and, and this time it did not work out in St. Louis's favor. Uh, the Avalanche close out the series in game six by a final score of three to two, thanks to Darren Helm with 4.6 seconds left. It just, I tweeted it out, and I'm, I'll say it now on the podcast, I feel very bad for Blues fans because that is just a gut-wrencher. That is a heartbreaker. Um, and there was no, there was no, there was no, there was no, there was like no overtime for that either. It was just, we're going to just, we're not taking extra time. We're going to just wait to the last dying seconds. That's worse than overtime. It really is worse than overtime. Um, because you don't even get that possibility in overtime that you are going to be able to pull it off and force a game seven. And, um, 
Mike, there was also, um, as we found out via Twitter, that this wasn't the first series closer that Helm had on that specific day. No, he had one for the Red Wings. It's very interesting. the Hawks. Um. I don't remember the year. I don't remember the year, but yeah, I was going to say because they that 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 was the back to back years that they went to the Cup final against the Penguins. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. But that that I found that really interesting when I saw that. But look at Darren being at the helm. I, I think the radio guy for the Avalanche also said that too. Darren's at the helm. <laughs> By the way, speaking of this series. Um, I have a thread from Jeremy Rutherford who covers the Blues for the Athletic. Yeah. Um, this is on an incident that occurred during the series. Okay. The Jordan Bennington throwing the water bottle at Nazem Kadri. Yeah, yeah. We we definitely need to to address this part of it too. So here's Bennington's quote from today. I went to get my knee checked out mid game. I was coming back to the rink and the game just ended. Walking down the hallway, I couldn't find a recycling bin on my way down the hallway. Bennington continues, right before I walked into the locker room, I seemed kind of doing an interview there, smiling, laughing, and I'm there in a knee brace limping down the hallway. I just felt like it was more a God-given opportunity. I could just stay silent and go in the room, or I could say something and just have him look me in the eye and understand what's going on. Something to think about. Yeah, I just threw the water bottle, an empty water bottle. It landed like two feet from him. It, It is what it is there, I mean, but it is what it is. It's hockey, and it's a competitive game, so that's it. I, I, I don't like that. No. I don't like the quote. I don't like anything about what Jordan Biddington just said. No, I don't like it either. Actions have consequences, and I will be the first person on this show to tell you when Nazem Kadri does something dirty. Yeah. Nazem Kadri didn't do anything wrong. And and just the amount, I mean, is is it said? I mean, like it's like this is at the end of the day, this is a game. This is supposed to be entertainment. It's supposed to be fun. I mean, obviously, there's compet there's competitiveness between fans and the players actually on the ice and coaching staffs and whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be fun rooting for your team, you know, good or bad. I mean, if, if, and, and, and it's, it's a physical sport. I mean, I shouldn't have to say this. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you flip a game on and there's checking every two minutes or less. I didn't mean two minutes. I meant more like two seconds, but um, you know, and, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun, and you're supposed to leave it on the ice. And, you know, everyone gets competitive, whatever, you know, that stuff happens. But there, there's another level to this, too, because what we need to talk about is the different threats that Kadri got. Yeah. You know, not even just him, but the family got threats from people because of what happened where he ran into Bennington. And it's just like, look, it's a game. Let's, you know, and it's just, you know, it's, I don't have, I, I, I mean, I, it, it's just, it's disgusting we, we, that, that 
that there's people that say these type of things and we're not past all this racist, you know, I know we don't swear on this podcast, but all this racist bullshit that happens, you know, you know, it's just. You can be mad at somebody, but you don't go and you don't threaten them. You don't don't threaten threaten their families. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't say racist things. I mean, I, I read, you know, his wife had posted a few. Yeah, his wife posted and I, some. Uh, I read them, and it's just, it's you know, some people are just so disgusting. It's a, it's a hockey game. Yes, yeah, there, there's more there's to this no world room. than sports. Coming from two guys who love sports. There's no room, in, first of all, in the game for that. But there's no room in this world for that. No. Doesn't matter if it's a hockey game or or at all. You don't say shit like that to people. People, the, the again, these are people. People with feelings. People with families. People <coughs> who are just trying to have fun for their team. And just like I said, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be fun. Obviously, it's competitive, but it's entertainment at the end of the day. And, you know, obviously everyone wants, you know, there's there's no room in the world for that at all. Yeah. I've been trying to come up with the words to... There there are no words, Nate, because we shouldn't have to talk about it. No. The fact that Nazem Kadri's wife and family get the death threats and or, and the other threats that, that were made is ridiculous. It's utter nonsense that in 2022, we're still dealing with this kind of crap on a daily basis. And there's, and I, I mean, we, and, and there's another aspect of this too. And I mean, we, we're not going to, obviously get into a full discussion on this because this could be a whole episode in itself but there's another level of this because of the internet and social media and everything like that because i bet you all of these people that sent them that wouldn't have the guts to say it to his face because he beat the shit out of them because keyboard Keyboard warriors. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. I bet every single profile that you look at for someone saying some dumb crap like that, I bet you look and there is no profile of their actual face. It's a picture of like McKinnon or if they're like an abs fan. I'm just naming people off or like, you know, if it's a football player or something. Or it's, like, a, it's someone who doesn't have the guts to to do anything they're just tough on a keyboard it's a burner account oh it's that they they're i can't be traced i'm just gonna say a bunch of but if you were but if you could be traced i bet you people would be saying a lot less crap that's for sure i mean everyone's everyone acts tough and racist and all this other stupid crap you know because they can hide you know and it's and it's so easy for someone and that's the thing it's so easy for someone to just Oh, let me let me DM this person because they have their DMs open. You can DM. I mean, as long as people allow DMs, you can DM anybody. If if um uh you know uh, Adam Sandler 
just I'm naming some person off. Um, his DMs are open. You could DM Adam Sandler. Doesn't mean he's going to get back to you, but your message will, will probably eventually get read by him or his team or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is that you, there's so easy access now where there's like another level of just of stress and pressure and just all this different stuff that, you know, because society has gotten – I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I'm trying to – it's easier access to everybody. You have access to everyone. Without right. being known. Right. And, you, and we're seeing the problematic parts of that. Right. And look, you're not – tough because you could say words on a keyboard you're not tough because you have a podcast that you could explain how you're feeling because no one should have to talk about racism and stuff like that because they shouldn't have to deal with it right now right. and you don't go and threaten people's families it's just wrong on so many levels and also i i also guess that means Dazim kadri won't sign with the blues this offseason You know, it, it's just people need to need to grow up. Yeah. You know, they need to. It's a game at the end of the day. And whether we're talking about a game or anything else in life, there's no room for threats or racism or any of this other crap. Just period. We are supposed to be the United States of America. Yeah. Well, even still, I mean, I, and not even, and it's not even just that. I mean, because I mean, you know, there's players that deal with crap. They're even in Canada too. I mean, oh, I know. It's you but, know, I mean, you know, it's wrong everywhere. It, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying because it's ho- because it's hockey. It's Canada too. But uh, you know, I mean, most you know, the point is is still the same. Um, but so we'll have to. So, but I guess Mike, um, any. I guess what are your thoughts on on uh, I'll just open this up in general on Avalanche and Blues. The Avs are a team on a mission, and as and look the the Blues, all the credit to them. They play like champions. That's why they won in the nineteen. They didn't lay down and, and give up. I think they missed Tori Krug in this series. Um, but at the end of the day, they needed a little bit more offense, but. They don't have the firepower of McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, McCarr. The list goes on and on. Oh, yeah, and Darren Helm is the guy who scores the game, the series clincher. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that was his first goal of the playoffs. (laughs) So it couldn't have been a better time for him to get that goal. But, uh, yeah, looking at the... Looking at the stats for the Avalanche um, so far, um, everyone's played 10 games, or 10 games have been played by the team. Uh, McKinnon and Makar are both tied. That's very fitting that they're both tied because they're like the two most important players on the team. Not that there aren't other important ones, but um, McKinnon, eight goals, five assists for 13 points in 10 games. Makar, three goals, 10 assists for 13 points in 10 games. Followed by Landis Cog, um, who Landis Cog and Miko Rantanen are tied um, with 11 points each. Landis Cog, six goals, five assists for 11 points in 10 games. Rantanen, one goal, 
and 10 assists for 11 points in 10 games. Then you have Nazem Kadri, who had five goals and five assists for 10 points in 10 games, including a hat trick. That that uh, I mean that was I think I believe that was the first game after the threats had happened. That was the game after the Bennington stuff, yeah. Yeah, and and didn't he didn't he basically say like like I forgot what the exact quote, but basically that game was for the haters or something yeah. like that. And then when uh, they went back to Colorado, the support he got was awesome. Oh yeah, the we love Nat, the different yeah. signs and everything. Um, you know, I'm glad that they rallied around him when they came back. Um, and then just a couple other players who who uh, also had uh, a good impact. Devin Tays, who has oh, shout out, buddy, such, such a good acquisition on the defense for for them. Four goals, four assists for eight points in ten games. And then uh, Valery Nichushkin with three goals and four assists for seven points in ten games. But. Uh, and then we'll go on the blue side as well real quick. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, oh, and, and while because he this guy ended up being uh, the leading point scorer for the playoffs for the Blues, um, not the biggest fan of David Perron after this series either. After the Kadri stuff, yeah, I, I I understand he was trying to stand up for his teammate, but listen, that you don't do it that way. Here, here's the thing. I'm more referring to after Kadri scored and Perron went to elbow him afterwards. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Here's the thing. You want to do something about it? You drop the gloves early in the game. Yeah, that's it. It's over with. Yeah, none of this, none of this, you know, he scores and I'm going to try to cheap shot him. Like, that's classless. You know, Perron was a guy who I had respect for in the game, and I've lost a lot of it from from that type of thing, where you're going to intentionally try to elbow somebody. Absolutely classless, you know. And the other part is, I also blame Craig Berube. Because Craig Berube said, well, Kadri's got a history. Well, why are you bringing up his history? It was a clean play. Yeah. It's over with. It's done. Don't say he has a history because now you're just motivating him more. But you know what? Kadri gets the last laugh. He's in the conference finals. Blues are going home. Yeah, and, and like I said, he had a hat trick in that game after his family got the threats and he got racist tweets and everything like that, and then he puts out a hat trick. You know, it basically like... You want to come at me? I'm going to just put it all out on the ice. And he, as he said, I mean, I, I think he said it perfectly. He he said that that was for the haters. And, you know, but um, so, but going back to the Blues uh, stats. Um, so Perron leads uh, in, in 12 games. Uh, he had 13 points, nine goals, four assists. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Had 12 points in 12 games, seven goals, five assists. Uh, your boy, Pavel Buchnevich, um, he had a goal and 10 assists for 11 points in 12 games. Kairou had seven goals and two assists for nine points in 12 games. Tarasenko, nine points in 12 games, six goals, three assists. And Justin Falk had a goal and seven assists for eight points in 12 games. Um, but... 
I guess uh, what what are your thoughts uh, before we move on to the, the last series of the, the semifinals? What are your thoughts for the Blues heading into the offseason? Uh, the first thing I wonder is about the Vladimir Tarasenko trade request that he gave before last season. Yeah. Is that true. still something on the table or is that gone? Um, that's something they have to figure out. Um I wonder about goaltending because Jordan Bennington was extended, but Billy Huso played better in the regular season as a free agent. Does he want to be the backup or is he going to get a chance to be the starter somewhere else? Right. That's a question for me. Um, the other thing, I maybe I'm a little nitpicky here. I wouldn't mind seeing them re- bringing back Nick Letty, who they brought in at the deadline. That was I, a, played, I keep forgetting that he went there. <laughs> I thought he played pretty well for them, so I wonder if that will happen. Um, I think they're going to be status quo for the most part just because I don't see that. They've never been that team to go big, and then they went Ryan O'Reilly a couple of years ago, but that was really the biggest thing they've done. And they need to bring back Perron, who's up at the end, who's up. Yeah. Yeah, righty. Um, moving on now uh, to the last series of the semifinals that we will talk about. <laughs> last, yeah, this is this was just a. This was entertaining. It was, it was, it was crazy. So, the Calgary Flames take on the Edmonton Oilers. There was the Battle of Florida, and then there was also the Battle of Alberta. And I guess the Battle of Alberta was a tiny. I mean, it was it was more of a battle, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was only five games. <laughs> These battles could have been a little bit more than what they were, but in any case, um, so the Flames take on the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers win the series four to one, and we we started off for just right right off the bat with just a, a classic game one. The Flames win nine to six. Sorry, let me read that a second time. Game one, the Flames beat the Oilers by a score of 9-6. to six. Anyway, uh, game two, the Oilers, well, but then the Oilers would win the remaining four games. Uh, game two, the Oilers win 5-3. to three. Game three, Oilers win 4-1. to one. Game four, Oilers win 5-3. to three. And in Game Five in overtime, I, this was this is controversial. Well, yes, and we will get to that aspect too. So Game Five, the Oilers win to close out the series five to four in overtime. Mike, you want to get to the controversy? Yeah. So late in the third period, uh, Michael Backlund of Calgary took a shot that went through Mike Smith, and as the puck was rolling towards the goal line. Blake Coleman of Calgary uh, was driving the net, kind of pushed him by the Cal- uh, the Edmonton defenseman, and clipped Mike Smith and then clipped the puck, and the puck crossed the goal line. It was reviewed for a distinct kicking motion. I still don't think it was a kicking motion. It was ruled no goal, and then in overtime, who else but Connor McDavid scores the game-winning goal. I, 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 if I'm a Flames fan, I, I'm not saying the Flames would have come back in the series uh, to force Game Seven. I don't know, 
But to me, that that was a goal. I agree. Like my, the, the puck is by Mike Smith. And I don't think, what's Blake Coleman supposed to do? Like, I even posted that to Twitter when it happened. I was like, when they were reviewing it, I was like, okay, are they looking for goalie interference because he clipped Smith's pad or what? And then they were like, oh, it's looking for a kicking motion. And I was like, a kicking motion? Where was there a kicking motion? And here's my problem with, with really the NHL. I don't think these things are clearly defined. We don't know what goaltender interference is. We don't know what a distinct kicking motion is. We don't know. There's got to be some level. straight up don't know. We're making this stuff up as we go along. There's got to be a level of consistency. Right. And, and also, I know there are judgment calls. I know there's, you know, easy calls. But to me, like. That puck's beating Mike Smith. It's rolling in anyway. That has to count for something. That has to count because the puck is going in regardless. It's not like he was out of the net and Coleman soccer styles it in. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what Blake Coleman's supposed to do. Yeah. And... and- I, I just I laughed because in my head I'm picturing Coleman like kicking it in sideways and being like celebrating like yeah, yeah that counts right <laughs> yeah like that's I don't get it I don't get it yeah I I mean you know and then obviously I uh, just getting back to the, the McDavid goal in overtime um, this oh, was actually the first time on Twitter that I had done the Bucci overtime challenge because I'd always thought about doing it and I just never did do it. Uh, but I was, I had just gotten home from work or whatever. And I, I flipped the game on and they were right about to start overtime. It was in between the periods and I'm thinking, you know what? I, and they were making their picks and I'm, uh, on ESPN and I'm thinking I should make my pick, you know, so I, I should finally do this. So I picked Drysidle, who had a couple good opportunities in the beginning. And I think so did I picked Lindholm too. I think Lindholm had a couple opportunities too. You know, because I was hearing their names like the the announcer was yelling, and I'm thinking like, yes, just stuff it in. I want to see if I get a shirt. You know, but but um, no, but I told this to Dan yesterday. Again, another shout out, Dan Ryan. Shout out, Dan. I I I said to him on that series when McDavid turned, when Drysaitel gave him the puck, and McDavid, the the way he turned to face the net with the puck for whatever reason, the second I saw him get into position, I'm like, that's going in. He he's winning this series. It just by him turning to the net, I knew that was going in. And sure enough, it went in. (laughs) He is the most dominant force in the game. He he's the best player. He's the best player in hockey. like, like it's not close like he's on this level and everyone else is two levels below he's a robot with skates on I'm, I'm pretty sure because all of these things that he is able to do i mean he's got what, what he's got the gretzky complex because i remember him being interviewed back when he was on the erie otters you know it, with when he was coming up as a you know future prospect slash player um, 
and he he can see the game in fast. He can see the game fast, and he can see it. It's like a chessboard where you see if you can see moves five moves ahead. He sees that on the ice, so that's why he knows where to go. He knows where he is able to be. That's why defenders look foolish when they try to stop him because he's got the speed and he's got the hockey IQ and the foresight that he can just cut through everybody. That's why, I mean, I, I love those McDavid viral goals that happen on Twitter where it seems like I'm always, I always come home and I hop from work and I hop on Twitter and then McDavid did something, something fascinating where he scored a goal and it's like, he gets the puck curls around and then he just goes through five people and then scores, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's awesome. And like I said, I mean, I'm very happy for him and the rest of the Oilers team that they're that they're finally in a Western Conference final. It's the first time they've gotten here since 2006, which is right around the time that I started watching hockey, per, you know, and became a fan. So it's been a long time for them waiting for this. But uh, anyway, we can. Um, what are your thoughts on this series? Otherwise, I thought the one edge Calgary had was in goaltending. Yes. And Jacob Markstrom, one and four with a 5.12 goals against and an 8.52 save percentage. That doesn't get it done. No, no, it doesn't. And and the thing is, is that when this, there were multiple times. Look, we obviously don't know where the Oilers are going to be going. Their final destination for this season. They could win the cup. Mm-hmm. If they win the cup, my my stance on this still is not changing. <laughs> After this season is over with, Mike Smith cannot be your goalie anymore. Well, I, I would think if they win, Mike Smith is retiring. That's probably true. Yeah, he'll do the thing where he retires after he wins. That's probably the case because I don't – how old is he? Just out of he, curiosity. He's got to be 39 or 40. He's 40. <laughs> yeah, so, so he's retiring if they win. So – Unless he's trying to be like Tom Brady, but you know, it's all another conversation. No, no, that's I have a feeling that's not what's happening. Um, so, but anyway, you you know, but there were multiple. But okay, so even if no matter what, say he doesn't retire after this year, they got to move on. They have to move on from him. He can't be the. Again, let me read the game one again. Nine to six. Calgary scored nine goals on you in the playoffs. Mike Smith, you're supposed to be. I, I, I don't know if he necessarily let all nine in. I don't know if Koskinen was. No, Koskinen came in later. Yeah, but, but still, it shouldn't have even gotten there. That's why you and I, it seems like we've preached this for two years now. You can't have Mike Smith and Mike, Miko Koskinen as your goaltending duo. And that's where I. I know we'll get to the finals preview in a, a few minutes, but that that's where I think this is the round where I think it hurts them. Yes. Oh, I agree. I think a lot of people tend to think that, you know, if the flames score nine goals on, on, I mean, in total, and they weren't obviously got NHL on easy mode. Well, and this Smith got pulled on that. And then we got to bring up the other goal that he lets in from center. Uh, Rasmus Anderson. 
it, it when the so this nine goal game already happens, and I'm thinking, okay, that's got to be the dagger that he's just not coming back after this season's over. And then he lets the center ice goal in, and I don't remember. No, what no, defensive was. zone. I thought I thought we said it was center ice. Defense. Okay. I think he Regardless, was. I think it was, was still, very far away. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I watched that goal go in. And I said, that right there is it. My favorite part of the whole no thing way. was he was he looking at the defenseman like, what are you doing? And, and I'm sure there's a level that for the defense that happened. But I, I think he also got crap for that, too, online, where it's just like he's blaming the defenseman for a shot that he couldn't stop from the other defensive area. It's just all right, Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question real quick, and then I'm I'm going to because I've been we've been talking a lot already, and I need and my throat's getting a little sore. Yeah, we, so. we need to get into previews. Yeah. So, um, we'll we'll get into the Oilers stats. Uh, I guess I guess remaining thought. Okay. First of all, Calgary Flames going in the off season. What are you thinking? First things first, what do you do with Johnny Goudreau? Is he there? Is he not there? We were talking beforehand. We were going through cap friendly. They got a ton of RFAs. They do. Matthew Tachuk, Andrew Mangiapane. Um, I think Oliver Shillington on defense is an RFA. Well, yeah, so, so I mean, obviously, and those are going to be crucial. Mangiapane, Kachuk, of course. But even the UFAs. They have a lot of UFAs. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, Johnny Goudreau, Kelly Yarncroft, Trevor Lewis, Brett Ritchie. And then uh, Good Branson, Stone, and Zadorov. So, um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't know with some of these other guys like Carpenter. And I mean, I think Trevor Lewis might retire at this point because he's 35. Um, but. You know, I mean, Goudreau is the biggest question mark in the offseason. That's the biggest thing that needs to be answered because you, you, we talk about 100-point scorers, and he was one of them right up there with a lot of other people. And, I mean, he's only 28 years old, so he's if he hasn't hit – if he's not in his prime right now, he's literally just about to hit it. About to hit it, yeah. So, you know, is he going to be doing that wearing the the – flamed sea of Calgary or is he going to be doing that for another team because he holds all the chips at the table or the cards one of the I, I don't I, I need to play more poker uh he he he's in control of his destiny he yeah. is control of the narrative because because he like I said he gets over 100 points if Calgary doesn't dish out the money. You know somebody else will. Oh, and there there are two teams that I could think of in the metropolitan area that would do it in a heartbeat. Who? I, I think Philly, I think, would do it. Um, yeah, I've heard people say the Devils, and that's a possibility. Are the Islanders a possibility in on this, if they're going to try to change their narrative? I was going to bring up the Islanders. You know that that's that's one. I think the most fun place for him. I don't know if it will happen. 
How about Anaheim? Put okay. him with Trevor Zegris. Let's roll. Let's have fun. That could be, yeah, that could be fun. Goudreau and Zegris. We'll have to see. They've got some interesting. Um, they've yeah, got some I think interesting... Matthew Tuchuk is more important to that team than Johnny Goudreau. I would be trying to get. I would be trying to get uh, those three are the priority. It's those two and Majapani. Yeah, I like Shillington too. Solid defense, but you probably bridge him. Right. Yeah, that's probably what happens with him. But alrighty. So with that said, let's we can we can talk more Oilers when we actually get into the the review now. So let's talk about the we're down to the final four. We have the Eastern Conference final and the Western Conference final. Mike, we have the New York Rangers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. What are your thoughts? Because I I text I think I texted you I texted a couple people this I think yesterday I think you were one of them um and there were tweets already about this yesterday last night while the the game wasn't even over yet and people were talking about this about it's going to be a Russian goalie battle now the battle of the brick walls you have Andre Vasilevsky which we all know what he can do we all know how dangerous this guy is and then we have Igor Shosturkin you know who playoffs are when or when players make names for themselves and Shesterkin's on his way to doing that in the postseason. Yeah, he made it in the regular season, obviously. I mean, he's up for an award, but, um, you know, it's now it's in front of more people as a result because every game is on national TV and stuff like that. So thoughts, Mike. So I'm going to say this twice so people can understand and let it flow. During the regular season, the New York Rangers swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to repeat myself. The Rangers swept the Lightning during the regular season. One game was in a shootout, and one game ended with like 16 seconds left. But the Rangers did sweep the Lightning. One question I have to ask. Go ahead. When did these games happen? Okay, was, so... Was this a time where Point was hurt or Kucherov was hurt? So, so the first two... One was New Year's Eve slash January 2nd. And I think the third meeting was in March. Okay. Because that's part of it, too. I mean, first of all, again, playoffs... The We can't say playoffs is another animal more. But... You know, I mean, Kucherov was gone a significant period yeah. of time this year. I mean, it wasn't wasn't as significant as the other years where he misses an entire regular season, but that that obviously played a part of it. I believe Point was hurt part of the year. I think Point played. He did have a goal and an assist against the Rangers this year. Um, because so. there was there were a couple different. Was it Stamco? Who else was hurt for them? Because. Uh, Stamkos played in almost every. I don't know if he got everything. No, I think he actually played all the games. There was another yeah. injury that was. Which, by the way, he, he should have been considered for the heart, but that's all another conversation. Anyway, Stamkos had a goal and assist. Andre plotted two assists. Hedman had two assists. Hedman also was a minus two against the Rangers. Vasilevsky, 0 2, 3.03 goals against, an 875 save percentage. 
For the Rangers, Mika Zibanejad had four goals against Tampa. Panarin had a couple of assists. Fox had three assists. And Igor was 3-0 with a 1.30 goals against and a 9.58 save percentage. Let me repeat that. Igor was 3-0 with a 1.30 goals against and a 9.58 save percentage against the Lightning. So, so he's proven himself already. Yeah. To an extent. But again, we we got to be careful, though. <laughs> no, no. My thing is this. I don't know if this is the key to the whole series or if it's just going to be game one. The Lightning hadn't played, haven't played in nine days, so they're going to be rested. But are they going to be rusty? And how rusty are they going to be? If the Rangers could take advantage of a rusty Lightning team, that could be beneficial. Yes. There are certain players on that Lightning team that don't get rusty, though. No, Like Kucherov, who people said, oh, well, he missed an entire regular season, and now he's coming back for the playoffs. Like, he's not going to be ready. Like, then I think he had, like, two goals, like, right away. Like, it's just like there there was a little rust, but it wasn't enough where he wasn't an impact player uh, that basically – I mean, so that's the thing. There there are guys that are just – they're not going to be rusty. It doesn't matter that it's been nine days. They're going to be they're going to be ready to go. Uh, Stamkos, I assure, is going to be another one. By the way, I wanted to clarify. Um, I believe that I was right on point for the regular season. I think around that time, Kucherov and Point were out around the same time. I believe Kucherov only played forty-seven games in the regular season this year. Mm. Point played sixty-six. So I think he, both... he looks like he's going to miss the first game for sure. Right. Um, so obviously that is significant, uh, looking at this lightning team, um, you know, as we said, I mean, Hedman, obviously leader of that defense, but they've are, they've got other great names like McDonough and Sergachev and stuff like that. Eric Chernak. But it, it comes down to why they've been so dominant other than Vasilevsky being an absolute brick wall is guys like, I mean, they have so many guys who contribute. I mean, Kucherov and Stamkos are obvi- and, and Point are obviously three of the biggest names on offense for them. But you you have – I mean, it's like the, when those guys – there's they always find ways to have other guys step up to the plate. I mean, I, I watched uh, Steve Dangle's video when the Leafs were eliminated in Game 7 – and he had commented about the idea that every that and again I'm I don't remember exactly the quote, but he talked about the idea of when that Gord Coleman Goudreau line was gone, and how significant that line was for Tampa, which by the way, Barclay Goudreau revenge series. Uh, you know but, it. Um, uh, I just realized that myself, um, but. That line is gone, and he and he mentioned the idea that they just they went and they go get a guy in Brandon Hagel from yeah. Chicago, Nick Paul from Nick Ottawa. Paul, Nick Paul, who had a two goal game that was crucial. Game seven, yeah. Against, uh, you know, I mean, and it's just everything and, and, they touch turns to gold. Yeah, 
Yeah, they are the Midas team right now. I mean, that's the that's why I said that they were king, because it's you got to take the king down to get the yeah. kingdom. I mean, that's that, and they've been king for two full years now, over two years. Yeah. It'll 100%. be three if they win in the next couple months. So, you know, it, it's and, and but that's what Steve Dangle was saying was the fact that people thought that they were going to fall off when Gord. Goudreau and Coleman all left. And he goes, I think they got better. And that's the dangerous part of them is the fact that they will always find somebody else to play a role. Again, they, 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 win they the identify cup. a guy and they well, get him and they win the cup in 2020. And they got to start letting people go because they're close to the cap. So they bring in a guy in Ross Colton. Ross Colton helps them win a Stanley Cup. This is guy that they just bring in. Just it doesn't matter. They just oh, we'll just get more people. I mean, think of the fourth line. Like you said, they lose Gord, they lose Goodrow, they lose uh, Coleman. What what's that line replaced with essentially? Pierre Edouard Belmar. What does he do? Wins faceoffs. Crucial on the PK. Pat Maroon is Pat Maroon. He does his thing. By the way, if he wins the cup this year, that'd be four consecutive, five overall. We could call him Maroon five. I hope you don't sue for that, Adam Levine. And they bring in the guy who Corey Perry was like, screw it. I've lost to this team twice in the cup final the last two years. I'm just going to sign with them. That, and I'm going to contribute. That's such a, it's such like a Marion Hosa storyline. <laughs> Like he does that, and then and then you you got into it. Brandon Hagel, Nick Paul, dealt at the dealt for at the deadline. What'd they give up? Matthew Joseph, their first round pick, probably in one of those deals. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. The other thing it does also. It might free up a little bit of space for them so they could try to lock up a guy like Andre Palat, but we'll have to wait and see. And there's the thing, too, is that the guys that they that they they do lose good hockey players. This isn't this isn't a knock on like I mean, Matthew Joseph is a good hockey player. Carter Verhaeg was the biggest player for the Panthers in the playoffs this year. You know, but it's just they can't keep everybody. But they they keep the most they, important. They all they keep the core. Your Stamkos, your Kucherov, your points, your Headmans, your Vasilevskis, and they figure it out with everybody else. And your John Cooper. Yes. Oh yeah, and they got the best coach in in hockey. You know. So, and and that's the thing. You have your core locked up. And then you identify the characteristics about all these guys in the bottom six. Face-offs, as you said, PK, power play, if any of them are on that. And then you yeah, Corey Perry's find guys, spot on the power play. You go find guys that fit the system, and they are masters at doing that. And Yeiserman was great at identifying talent when he was with Tampa. And with Breezebois, it's no different. Breezebois just picked up right where he left off. And... We'll have to see. We'll have to see for sure. But all right, Mike, it, it's time. You got to go head, heart, whatever we're doing here. Um, 
Lightning Rangers best of seven Eastern Conference Finals. What is your prediction? Okay, so I want to preface this. The head is saying lightning in six. Okay. That's the head. I've never thought well with my brain and probably never will again. Going with the heart. Rangers in seven. The Rangers are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Rangers in seven. Okay. Okay. Um, Part of me wants to do the Game 7 thing again with my prediction because it seems like every time you guys somehow go... Would you be in Tampa for that? Huh? Would you be in Tampa for a potential Game 7? No. So for for the for those that don't know, uh, I will be going on vacation in Tampa in late June. Um, so I hold on. No, because I no because I well, I had looked up the Western Conference Final, and I know that that starts first. But if there's a Game Seven in the Western Conference Final, that's June twelfth. So well, the Rangers have home ice anyway, so it'd be at the Garden, not in Tampa. Oh, okay. For okay, I was just curious. If there, if there's a cup final, I feel like it's gonna be like it would be too. Okay, so game six is June eleventh, so you'd be there the next day. No, it's the twenty first. So the cup final is gonna be going on while. <laughs> no, I, I'm talking about the Eastern Conference Finals. Stuff. No, I know, but I'm not getting down to Tampa. Oh, I thought you were going the twelfth. Okay. No, no, close, but. That, that's why, you know, if Tampa makes it to the cup final, it's like, I need you to home, make this as long of a series as you can do it. But um, so I have given this I've given this thought because I'm back and forth about who I think is about the games and everything like that, how far that this will go. I am going to go with the lightning. I'm sorry, Mike, and I'm sorry to it's all. okay. All of the friends of mine who are Rangers fans uh, who are listening to this, I am going Tampa. And it's between six and seven for me. The Rangers are winning at least two games of this, but um, I will go six. I will go lightning and six. Um, We will see if that actually happens or not. Um, But that's, that's my prediction. Uh, And I, and I question whether we're going to see a lot of scoring in this series. Uh, maybe we'll get a couple goals here and there, but I just think between Vasilevsky and, and Shosturkin, it's going to be a goalie battle. And it's going to be one where you're going to be nervous the entire time, and I'm going to have my popcorn out ready to go because it's going to be a, a bunch of classics. Oh, uh, it, it's going to be something. But, Getting uh, the defibrillators ready. Yeah, ready. All right, so... We have our predictions there. Um, now uh, we have our Western Conference final. Colorado Avalanche versus the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid versus Nathan McKinnon, or as I have dubbed it, Mac versus Mick. <laughs> so, um, Before we start, I want to ask you a question. Yes. The two teams played three games this year. Okay. How many goals... Did Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl combine for against the Colorado Avalanche? I'm gonna go with one or two. 
Was it way more than that? Wait, what was your answer? I said one or two. You'd be incorrect. Is it way more than that? It is not. They was combined it, they, for so they zero haven't scored goals. All. They haven't scored at all. McDavid and Drysaddle did not score a goal against the Colorado Avalanche. They had six assists combined. Okay. That's interesting. Um, you know, I... That's going to be that's one matchup in this series that is going to be interesting is the McDavid and Drysidle versus Makar and Taze, you know, and those guys. It's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, McDavid, you can only do so much against, but I wonder if you're Woodcroft, would you split them up for this reason? McCarr and Taze will play one. They don't have Samuel Girard. He broke his sternum against St. Louis. Right. Yeah, no, that Girard might does. free up Drysaddle a little bit. Well, and that's and that's how you do it because you you have McDavid out there against McCarr and Taze because it doesn't matter how good of a defenseman you are. McDavid is going to make you look foolish at some point. He when he's on his top 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 game. No one can stop him. It doesn't matter how good you are. So you you have Drysidel, who maybe Makar and Taze would be able to stop. You put Drysidel out there against other competition on defense uh, for the Avs. So that way, both aren't affected at all by this. It's a good strategy. And Wood, Woodcroft, I'm sure if he, I'm sure he's he's had to have thought about that. Well, if he listens to this podcast, I mean. You know, we appreciate it, Woodcroft, if you are listening to this podcast. I don't apologize for any of the stuff I've said about your team, though. Well, that's we could get more into that at, at another time. But um, but OK, so it definitely is going to be interesting. I it, have you seen did you know what the other stats were the other way? Like it was McKinnon very good against McKinnon, three goals to assists. Do you have stats on Makar too, or Makar had two assists? Okay. Darcy so, Kemper was two and one with two six two, and a nine twenty one save percentage. And that's another aspect of this too. You know, the way that obviously does not get as talked about just because of the guys on both sides of the offense. But you're getting Kemper versus Mike Smith, and the Mike Smith angle of this is what we've talked about for the past what feels like two years and just recently earlier on in this episode where and that and the hockey guy mentioned this too in when his video previewing this series he talked about the idea and i think he was trying to to make the argument i think he was trying to make it seem like it was i don't remember exactly what he said but he had he's heard what everyone said that oh avalanche are gonna smoke him Avalanche are going to smoke him. Mike Smith is going to get absolutely destroyed by McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen and McCarr, whatever. So I guess that's I guess that's where where because you, you've hinted at this. Do we who do, so I guess what's your preview here? Do, is it does Mike Smith cost them this series? What is I don't think prediction? he costs them the series. Um. But I don't. It's I, hard I, to put it on one guy. I, I, right. Like, like I, I think 
Is Zach Hyman going to perform like he did against Calgary? Is Evander Kane going to perform like he did against Calgary? Is Kyler Yamamoto going to step up? Who, who else is going to step up? I know what I'm going to get out of what I should get out of Nathan McKinnon. I know what I should get out of Gabriel Landeskog. I need more out of Miko Rantanen. The Avs have gotten this far without much from Miko Rantanen. Let's be real, real honest about that. Oh yeah, and, and the thing is, is that Rantanen, his one goal was an empty netter. Right. So I need more from him. You know, we talked about what the Rangers did at the trade deadline. Our Terry Lykkinen's been great. Um, Josh Manson on the back and gives them a physical presence. Yeah. By the way, the, really cool. I saw this story. Um, Josh Manson plays for the Avs. His dad, Dave, is an assistant coach for the Oilers. Yeah, I saw that. So, so that's an interesting. Yeah, his, didn't didn't his dad say something like, "I'm looking forward to like coming into town so I can see the kids" or something like that? And then he he, he texted back something like, "Hope it's or no 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 some someone said that he should have texted back, hope it's a good visit because that's you'll you'll be only making one trip." Oh my god! He didn't actually say that, but if but uh, someone commented that he should have said that. Um. Yeah. So, listen, I, I I'll just say I like the abs. <laughs> They do. I'm going to go Avs in six. I think most of these games are going to be close and competitive. I agree, and that and that's what you want out of your conference playoffs. I've got I've got the same thing. I've got Avalanche in six. Um, you know, and as as a and we'll get to when the net one of the next podcasts we do, which will be the actual Cup final, um, we will talk about. We will talk if about a certain team advances. I'm all in. Oh, I'm sure. Well, yeah, you have to be. You have to be if that happens, and and you'll be more giddy than you currently are. Oh yeah, you can't wipe a smile from my face right now. The just one angle of this. Um, if we do get, I'm not trying to. You know, we'll yeah. see what actually happens. But last year, I wanted Tampa and Colorado. That was who I thought. I thought we were getting this last year, and we didn't because of, with Vegas and everything like that, eliminating the abs, which was came out of nowhere based on how that first game went. I think they won like 6-1 to one or something in yeah, that series. something nuts. And we thought that Vegas was going to get swept, and that just couldn't have been further from the truth. Um, and But that was who I thought. When that's – if that series happened – look, again – Take the Rangers out of the equation, just in general. If that series were to happen, that is going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, that's going to be absolutely insane because you have it's McKinnon versus Kucherov, Stamkos versus Landeskog, Hedman versus Makar, and the and Net Vasilevsky versus Kemper, which isn't as close as some of those other ones are, but. I kind of, I kind of just thought of something here, for, just for a second. So, I, hypothetical, ridiculous thing that I just thought of. Okay. Arguments say because you just said if we get Colorado, Tampa. Let's say Edmonton beats Colorado. You mean Edmonton, Tampa? Yeah, if Edmonton beats Colorado. Okay. If you're Colorado. Do you consider firing Jared Bednar and bringing in Barry Trotz? No. 
Okay. No, I wouldn't do it. It, the, it's just something I kind of thought about. Here's the thing. The Avalanche, the clock is ticking on the Avalanche with some of the roster just because they can't pay everybody. They're already close to the cap as it is, so they're going to have to make tough decisions soon. But they're, they're close. I know that they – look, if they don't make the cup final this year, they're going to make it soon. They're too good – to not make it soon. Like, between McKinnon, because McKinnon's still young, McCarr's young, Rantanen's young, Landeskog is, I guess, getting older, because um, I keep forgetting about how long Landeskog has actually been there. But, um, y- you know, but they, they're going to get there. And I, I think firing Bednar could potentially ruin what could be a really good thing and potentially another cup. You know, I don't think they're too far away from at least being in the cup final. And to oh, it would be an overreaction for me if they get rid of Bednar because I think he's been great. He's kept this whole thing together for them. I think that they have everything going well. People talk about how great of a GM Sackick is. Bednar is a coach. You, all these different good players that they have. And it's just you don't want to overreact and potentially stifle what could be a, a potential cup run in the future if you don't win it this year. So I just – the term is, is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's not broke. Whether you win the cup or not, it's not broke. So don't fix it. There's nothing to fix. So that's my two cents on that. Okay, I, I was just curious. Well, I mean, did you do you disagree or why you? No, I I just wanted to throw it out there because it kind of hit popped in. No, my head. I I mean I'm sure I mean that would be that would be huge news and I if they offered Trotz that job I'd find it really hard to believe that Trotz would turn that job down because they're literally they're that. Basically, what that would be is we have a team ready to win the cup, but we want a head coach that can lead us there. Any offers? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that everyone's going to want to hop on that so they could potentially get their name on the cup. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Bednar is going to stay after this year. I think that's pretty – I mean, this is this has been improvement for them. They haven't been in the Western Conference Finals in forever. They haven't been there since um, 01 when they won the cup. Yeah, yeah, around it, around that time, I, I, I we it, is it definitely two thousand one? It's oh one or oh two. Someone said two thousand two. I just wanted to make sure we had the year correct on that, just because, just because, because I, I was, I th- this was something that I was curious about before you even said anything, um, because I don't know. We could. Are you looking it up now or? Give me a second. I could look it up. Okay, I was to say I'll, I'll, I'll look it up um, too. But, um, but yeah. So it's gonna be. It, it's one thing that I said yesterday was one thing that's nice is that three of these four teams have not won the cup in a long time. For the Rangers, it was 1994. For the Avalanche, it was 2001. That's the famous Ray Bork winning his winning the cup. Before he retired, and the Oilers haven't won it since, since Gretzky. Gretzky. So, I mean, obviously they had that appearance in 2006, but 
that's it. Uh, Actually, no, no, didn't the Oilers, no, the Oilers won one more cup before, well, after Gretzky. Okay. So Detroit beat Colorado in the conference finals in 02. Okay, because someone said, I wanted to clarify, because I had heard 2002 and 2001. Oilers last won the cup in 1990, didn't they? Because they beat the Bruins. Okay, hold on. Google. Oh, yeah, I can literally just look up Edmonton Oilers and just see the last time they won the cup. I believe it was 1990. Because they won it once where I think it was Messier. Yeah, 1989, 1990. Yeah, 90. They went to the cup final in 06. They did. Yeah, but this was the... This was the last Oilers team to win the cup was in the 1989-1990 season. A lot of that a lot of these guys it seemed like they were still around. Curry was still there. Um Glenn Anderson during the Gretzky Grand Fuhrer. Uh wait, was he there? He was. Uh and then Messier was actually the captain then. So there you go. He captained two teams to cups. <laughs> so but Kevin Lowe was there. Craig McTavish. Oiler fans remember all these names. Um, Adam Graves was there. And Jeff Bukaboom. Ranger legend. And that's why... That's why if we get Rangers-Oilers for the cup final, that's I'm dubbing that the Mark Messier cup. <laughs> that's fair. Well, but you could make the argument because of all the different people. I think Glenn Anderson was also a Ranger, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, Boom was. Graves obviously was. Curry was for a year. That I don't remember. Was he a Ranger? He was. He was a Ranger. Um, But anyway... Um, yeah, so that'd be fun. So, yeah, so we can get into the actual cup final when we have our next podcast, but, uh, that covers it for both the pre the review of the second round, as well as the preview for the Eastern and West Western conference finals. Before we do go, we do have some news, a couple news and notes to address, First thing that I want to talk about is longtime NHL forward Jason Spezza officially announced his retirement the other day and effective immediately joined the Toronto Maple Leafs front office. Um, First of all, on behalf of everybody here at the Breakaway Bandits podcast and the Sports Insanity Network, we want to uh, congratulate Spezza on a great career. I know personally... And I tweeted this out back in 2006 was when I started to regularly watch hockey and the as a Sabres fan and a general hockey fan in general. And the first line in hockey that I hated and I was terrified of whenever they were on the ice and touched the puck was that line with the Ottawa Senators of Jason Spezza, Daniel Alfredson and Danny Heatley. That trio 
was a nightmare for the Sabres and just a nightmare for the league. Danny Heatley had back-to-back 50-goal seasons, which is super impressive. Spezza, always a great forward and, and was later captain after Alfredson had left and retired. And then Alfredson was always the one that I that I just was the most terrifying out of the three, which is what he was able to do. But Alfredson, Heatley, Spezza, that line in general for Ottawa, one of the most dominant lines I ever watched. And it was rough being on the other end of that. I still remember Eastern Conference Final 2007, Game 5. I was there. Sabres got eliminated in overtime thanks to Daniel Alfredson. So, it, and obviously they, they didn't win the Cup of 2007, but he was huge for that. Heatley was huge for that. And Spezza, of course, was huge for that. Dangerous, dangerous line. And, um, you know, as as it was tweeted out, it's an end of an era because all three of those guys are officially done. Mike, any any memories of that line or Spets in particular? I always loved watching Jason Spets because I always felt he was kind of underrated in Ottawa. Yeah. Because they didn't get the national attention, especially here um, in the U.S. Well, not many Canadian teams did at the time. Um, but he, he was such a good player. I can't believe Mike Milbury traded him for Alexi Yashin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all-around complete player. Um, seems like a great guy to have in the room. And if I'm Kyle Dubas, I might be looking over my shoulder at Jason Spezza. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and it's great that he's going to be around the organization because obviously he was brought in to be a veteran guy to help lead the younger guys as part of this team. And just like, as you said, I mean, it's like he's beloved by the Leafs players. And so they, they were able to keep him around. It's one of those things where it's like, he becomes a player executive in a sense. So he gets to stay, you know, he doesn't want to play anymore, but he still gets to be around the team, you know, and he's he's not taking up any of the cap, but he gets to be around the guys. Yeah, so he's still benefiting them off and on to an extent. He won't be on the ice, but, you know, he still benefits them to an extent for that organization. But, yeah, and, and I think that that's right. I think when it when you look at that line in Ottawa, Alfredson, you could argue, was always the face of that line. I mean, he was the captain of the team. I mean, he's the face of the organization. Yeah, so, so Alfredson... It's Alfredson would always be the first guy that would get brought up for that line. And then it would be Heatley. And obviously with he, I mean, you could argue that during the 05 to 07 or 08 or whatever, when those, that line was together, you could argue that maybe Heatley kind of took over that spotlight a little bit. Alfredson was great, but he also had Heatley racking up 50, a hundred goals in two seasons. So, but Dominant, dominant line. I strongly disliked them as a Sabres fan when I was younger. Uh, they were just they were just a nightmare on ice to go up against. Um, so congratulations to Spezza. Yes, on absolutely. A great, on a great career. Obviously also played with the Dallas Stars and the Toronto Maple Leafs to wrap up his career in the NHL. Um, but uh, congratulations and best of luck in retirement and working with the Leafs just... Um, you know, and 
We'll see what he's able to do for the Leafs going forward. One last note, and that involves the Dallas Stars. Uh, Mike, Rick, Rick Bonus will not be returning as the head coach for the Stars. Yeah, they announced that a couple of weeks ago, him. Uh, his contract was not renewed. Uh, they also announced the firings of all of his assistants, John Stevens, Todd Nelson, and I don't remember the third one, so forgive me. Um, I think this, I actually think this might be my favorite vacancy, to be perfectly honest with you. I know everyone loves Vegas, and I get it, but I like this Dallas Stars team. I like them a lot. I think Detroit's also a favorite. Detroit's a good one. Detroit and Winnipeg are also really good ones. But I like this team for one reason, or really for a few reasons. They've got a young nucleus. Jason Robertson, who's going to need a new contract, he's an RFA. Rupe Hintz is a player. Fox is a player. I need more out of Ben and Sagan, but they played all year for the most part. And then Mira Heiskinen's a great defenseman. Yeah. So good that if you drop the S, you could call Miro Heineken for all you care. Um, all right. And listen, I know he got eliminated in the first round, but did anyone have a better coming out party in the playoffs than Jake Ottinger? Otter, as they call him. Otter? He's not even a seal. He's an otter. He was sensational. He needs a new deal. He's an RFA. They have good players there in Dallas. They really do. Yeah. They just need to help f- find a guy who could help them score a couple of more goals. But I like their their roster. That's the one thing that we were robbed of in the first round was just being able to see more of Ottinger. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, he's an RFA, I believe, at this he's summer. an RFA. So he will, I imagine he will get paid very well. He and Roberts both need deals, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, they still have Joe Pavelski signed. That's true, and and he's he is now going to be one year older. So, like I said, time is ticking for some of that core anyway for the Stars. But we will have to see what Dallas does going forward now as they head into their off season as well. But um, that will do it for us here on this episode of the Breakaway Bandits for May 31st, 2022, part of the Sports Insanity Network. And speaking of the Sports Insanity Network, Mike, how uh, can fans uh, you know, follow all of us and uh, the, all the other podcasts that we do for the site? So you can go to the website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com. You can listen to the podcasts at anchor.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check out social media. Just type in S-I-N and then whatever the podcast name is. For this, it's at S-I-N Breakaway. Um, so follow the Twitter at Sport S-I-N Insane Real. That'll help you follow all the podcasts as well. Sounds like a plan. So for Mike Rifkin, I am Nathan Moser. The conference finals are here. The cup final soon to follow. Mike is going to be full of emotions for the next week, or week, week and a half. Uh, and there's more questions to be answered as we eventually will be going from the final four to the final two in the cup final. Many 
many more interesting hockey and fun, exciting times to be had. For Mike Rifkin, I am Nathan Moser. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast. We appreciate it, and we will catch you again next time. Namaste.